anymore. God, we love you. We thank you again for this gathering. Uh, Father, names. A bunch of names what we're going to talk about today. Stuff that really and truly most of us just skip over. But it's there. It's there for a reason. So as always, God, I, I pray that your word meets us where we are. That we are trained up in righteousness. So your word that is living and active. So today, Lord, I pray, as we pray every week, may our souls be pierced. If we need to be taught, I pray that we learn. If we need behavior corrected, I pray that that happens. If we just need to be encouraged, Lord, I pray your word meets us where we are in our faith journey with you. So we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, so a couple of months back, my parents have gotten to this age where, man, they just want to travel, right? So my mom retired, and, 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 and my dad's been in real estate, and, and he kind of works on this. He's got land. He doesn't farm anymore like he used to, and so they, they like to travel. And even last night, talking about going up north, Boston, and for some reason, my dad wants to go into Boston and then drive all the way across Canada. I haven't figured that part out just yet. Um, but last spring, they decided that they're going to take a trip out west, and you know they they flew into like Phoenix or something, and then they drove up to Yellowstone, and you know, and then did some things along the way, like three and a half weeks, something like that. And so one of the stops was in Salt Lake City, okay? And there's a big lake, Salt Lake City. It's got a lot of salt in it. Um, they saw it. I don't think they did anything with it, but that's really not why they went. They went because they wanted to participate in this family search library, okay, which is the, is the Mormons, it's the thing that they do, um, and, and so it's changed names, it's now the family search library, and they wanted to see, like, how far back the records of their family went, okay, and, and, and like, here's the thing, okay, they, these people advertise this right here, we are a global network of experts, volunteers, documents, and resources that can help you discover your family. My parents were tuned in. Like, like this is why they are there, to discover their family. And, and, and the question just has to be asked. Do you, do you really want to discover what's back there? I, I, I mean, isn't sometimes just like ignorance, just it's bliss, man. Like, I, like I, let me just create my own history for what's back there? Do we really want to know what's back there? But then on the other hand, because we talked about this, on the other hand, hey, you know what's back there may explain some of the behavior of some of the people in the current generations, and, and we can see where they get their behavior from. So hey, it's, it's, it's a dicey situation. So they go nine generations back, okay? And, bummer, my family's not related to royalty. <laughs> so, like, great. We're just average, run-of-the-mill people, just like we thought we were. So, no, no major surprises. However, my mom discovered that she does have, get this, a second cousin that she did not know about, and the lady lives in all places, the same small town, 
Jefferson, Georgia, that my parents live in. You didn't even know the lady existed. And, and of all the places to live, like if you don't know Jefferson, Georgia, like it's nothing, man. It's just like you just drive up 85 and you just drive right on past it. It's nothing there. And she has a second cousin she didn't even know about lives there. So we did what every single one of you would have done too. So don't be judging right now. We stalked her. You're right? I mean, we did everything. We, they pulled out all the social media stuff. They found out where she lives. My dad does real estate. Said, oh, yeah, okay, that's a decent, that's a decent neighborhood right there, okay. Found out some stuff about her. And then started seeing, because this is what you do when, you, when, you, when, when you're stalking people and everything, hey, do we have any like friends? And come to find out, there's a bunch. There's a bunch. And, and, and one of them happens to be the minister at the church my mom and dad go to. And so what do you think they did Sunday? They didn't care about how good his, his sermon was. I mean, he preached, and they're like, hey, waiting on him and waiting on him. And he finally gets there. He's like, hey, do you know so-and-so? And, and, and they're like, wait, what? Why are you asking me this right now? And my mom's just like, hey, do you know, do, do, do you know so-and-so? And they're like, well, yeah, that name sounds familiar and everything. Come to find out, this lady has even participated in some of the ministries that my parents' church offers to the community. I was like, wow. So I talked to her last night. I said, hey, Mom, I'm going to tell this story. And she made sure that she told me the entire story so that I would relay it to you correctly because she's like, sometimes you like to embellish stuff. And, and I'm like, never, never, never. And, and so uh, she's like, well, I'm going to be listening to this. When's Caleb going to have it up? And I said, it's always up Monday. My dad's in the background. Not always. Not always, and I'm like, well, look here, Monday, Tuesday, it'll be up. <sighs> They're going to reach out to her. They want to know. They want to they establish some, some, some relationship there, and, and they, and they want to learn a little more about my mom's past and about some different family members. And here's the thing. I read this this week. Our family tree reveals where we come from but it does not determine who we become. Think about that. Like our, our, our family tree, man, it, it tells us there's a lot back there that, that, that reveals about our past and where we come from, but it does not determine who we become. And that very thought is why we are looking at Jesus' family tree today. So there's this very, and I'll say it, odd couple of chapters in the opening of the New Testament that gets overlooked. Matthew's got a version. Luke's got a version. And we're going to read. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to read it. We're going to look at and we're going to study these odd chapters. Names. That's what it is. Names. But here's the truth that we believe in. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. And for whatever the reason is, it's there for a reason. And so we've seen this verse the past couple of weeks from the book of Acts. Paul is kind of traveling, and he's been invited to, to teach like, like the, the, the temple services were over. Like, hey, Paul, you got anything? And Paul's like, well, yeah, give me a microphone and let me roll with it. And so Paul just starts to preach. 
And, and so we've read this the past couple of weeks, but I want to draw your attention to this verse. Chapter 13, verse 22, if you have your Bibles. If not, it's going to come there. After removing Saul. So, so what Paul is doing is he's giving a history lesson. Okay? After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. I really haven't paid attention to verse 23 a whole lot. But from this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. So this was God's plan. When the people early on in their history desired a king, God, God had one person in mind for that position. However, God's kind of king and what he thought was going to be the king and, and what he knew was going to be the king was completely different than that of what the people wanted. But God lets people people, church. Right? Like he, he's, he's not some authoritarian ruler who removes free will. The people want a king. It's not a good idea. The timing of it's not right right now. Just wait, just wait. But the people want a king. The people want a king. And their allegiance is going someplace else. And God's like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm sovereign and I can work all things out for my glory. The timing of this is not right. But okay, you want a king? Here you go. And, and so Saul was anointed king. And he, of course, we're not talking about Saul a lot. Uh, we've already discussed him. He, of course, was this unrepentant sinner. He justified his actions. He made excuses. And God said, you know what? I've tried and I've tried and I've tried with you, Saul. You are no longer fit to be the king over my people. And so then this man, David, who has my own heart, as we just read, as we've studied the past couple of weeks. This man, David, who has my own heart, he will be the bloodline for the promised king to come, the king that you people need. So the genealogy of Jesus that we read in our Bibles today is included for our benefit. You've got names like King David, and it leads up to King Jesus. So Jesus comes on the scene some thousand years later after David serves. And he is the fulfillment of this promise to Abraham. Okay? It starts there. And he's the fulfillment of the promise to David. And so as Jesus is here, we sing the songs, we see the decorations, we, we've got the manger scene out there, we, we, we got this thing right here to remind us of, of what's going on. And next week, just so you know, uh, we're, we're going to... We're going to take a hard look at this manger scene that we see. And I'm going, to, I'm going to debunk everything. I'll tell you right now, we're wrong. Okay, and it's in the Bible. All right, but let's go with it. You know what? We're not prudes. Okay, we're, 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 going, to, we're going to go with it. So Jesus is here. And now he's doing his ministry. And his authority of being the Christ is questioned continually by, of all people, the priestly order. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the people that know the Bible, the people that know the, the history of God's people. They, they are now questioning 
the authority of this man Jesus from Nazareth, born in Bethlehem. They're, they're questioning his authority. And, and, and these are the men who were tasked with being, you know, they're the religious sect who represented Jehovah and upholding his law. And so they question this guy, Jesus. This man who makes the claim of being the Messiah. And so Luke chapter 20, there's a lot of this going on. There's a lot of going back and forth, and, 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 and as they go, are going into Jerusalem and everything, Jesus kind of warns his disciples, hey, we're about to step in some stuff right here, and it's going to get a little dicey. Just hang with me. And all of chapter 20 is this going back and forth. And then verse 41, Jesus said to them, Why is it, he asked, that the Messiah is said to be the son of David? For David himself wrote in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Since David called the Messiah Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? Jesus is making a point in this dialogue with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, okay? And, and, and here's the point. Who do y'all say I am? I mean, he didn't say y'all, right? But who, who do you say that I am? Because again, Jesus is having his authority questioned. So he goes to their bread and butter, right? It's what we call the Old Testament. He referred them to Psalm 110 which just so happens to be the most quoted psalm in all of the New Testament. Psalm 110. And, and, and every professional Christian of the day, every Pharisee, every, all the Jewish religious leaders of that day identified Psalm 110 as a prophetic psalm and said that David was speaking of the Messiah, the promised deliverer of the Jewish nation. Everybody agrees that Psalm 110 is about this Messiah who's going to come and deliver the Jewish nation. But if the Messiah is David's Lord, how can he also be David's son? And this is the riddle that the Pharisees have to solve in the moment. And, and they, they know there can only be one answer. And that one answer is that the Messiah must be both God and man. As eternal God, Messiah is David's Lord. But as man, he is David's Son, he is David's offspring. So here's the issue. This is, this is the issue that the Pharisees are facing. These Pharisees knew that Jesus had them. But they did not want this man, Jesus, to be the Messiah. They didn't have an answer. 
They, they did not have an answer. In, in their minds and in their hearts, they did not want Jesus to be the Messiah because He's not what they had hoped for. They didn't want their king to be born in a shepherd's field in a tower lying on a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's not what they hoped for. They wanted their Messiah. They wanted their king to come thundering in on a white stallion to overthrow the evil Roman Empire and to establish God's rightful kingdom on earth. That's their Messiah in their mind. And so this man, Jesus, who doesn't even have a home, who's walking around, who doesn't even choose like the most sophisticated people to follow him, he chooses a bunch of failed fishermen, tax collectors and the like to follow him. This is not who they want to be the Messiah. This is not who they want to be their king. So he asked the question, who do you say that I am? I think that's a fair question this morning for you. I mean, like, like seriously, who's, who's Jesus to you? I mean, he, he's, he's everywhere right now, especially in the Christian circles, because it's, it's Jesus' birthday. We're going to talk about him, and, and, and we're going to talk about the birth. And so, so he's baby Jesus. And there's going to be some attention turned to the fact that He came, He was the perfect gift from God to humanity to die for the sins of the world. And, and that, that's, that's Christian lingo that's going to be brought up over and over again for the next couple of weeks. But come January 5th, when we're back at it again, when, when, when we're going back to work, when we're doing the stuff and the holiday season's behind us, who is Jesus to you right then? This is the question for every generation and each individual, for our salvation and eternal destiny are dependent upon what we think about the Messiah. Is Jesus the Savior that will deliver you from the wrath of God against your sin? Is Jesus the Lord of your life who influences you on how to live? Are, are you this morning waking up and you're striving to become like Jesus? And here's the thing. Th those aren't two separate options. I don't get to say, yeah, I want the Savior part over here because, you know, I kind of like my life the way I got it and everything. And so I, I, I need my tail saved from the, the, the wrath of God against my sin. Okay? I don't get to choose that option and ignore the Lord option over here. The, the invite to follow is, is the invite to, to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And He's the Lord of my life. He will not be Savior without being Lord. So, with that being said, let's look at the genealogy of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 1. Now, it's going to come up on the screen, okay, and uh, we're, we're not going to read it, okay? Um, look, I'm, I'm, I can't do that. I'm not going to put you through it. 
But as you look at that list of names, and, and, and what's interesting is like, so, I mean, obviously I do everything digital, right? So I don't have my Bible. And if you get your little paper Bibles, your real Bibles in front of you there, you don't have this feature. But so I, I take this out of my Bible software and I put it into pages. <laughs> There's a bunch of red lines thinking everything's misspelled, right? Because the words are just words that we are not accustomed to. But you want to know what? As you read that list, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find liars. That's what you're going to find. As you read through that list of names, you're going to find people that lied a lot. You're going to find manipulators. You're going, to, you're going to find these people that twisted the situation to work in their favor. You're, you're going to find schemers. You read that list, you're going to find cold-blooded murderers. Adulterers. Idol worshipers. How about this? You read that list, you're going to find people who sacrifice children. Polygamist. Prostitutes. I mean, you could run the list of sins. You're going to find a few more in there. But you want to know what else you'll find? You're going to find faithful followers. You, you, you're going to find kinsmen redeemers. You're going to find people who repented of their past. You're going to find people who were forgiven of their past. There's a lot of people on that list as you, as you scroll through it, right? As you, as you go through that, you got, there's a lot of people. Many died honoring God. And then you're going to find some that just lived in rebellion and died a rebellious life towards God. You look over that list, you're going to see some names that you recognize, right? There's Abraham. He starts the thing off. We know Father Abraham. He had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. There's Isaac, Jacob. You got those names. You, know, you see these people, right? Probably jump down. Ruth, that one stands out. I remember Ruth. Jesse, David, Solomon. Those are, those are all some, some familiar names that when we read through it, we're like, oh yeah. But then there's probably a lot of names that, that, that you don't even recognize. And here's the thing. They're there for a reason. That there's, there's names in here like Shilatil, He's down there at the, towards the bottom after the, after, after the uh, exile Babylon. I mean, who's this guy? Well, he's important. If, if you're an end-timer in here and you love to study the end times and you love to study Revelation and how Jesus is going to come back and, and what's going to happen and the different, the, the different viewpoints, amillennial, premillennial, postmillennial, I'm a millennial, Whatever, uh, I'm not actually, I'm, gen I'm too old to be a millennial. Um, you, you, you study those things right there, I'll go ahead and tell you right now. This guy, Chial Atil, he completely debunks one of those viewpoints. 
I'm going to tell you which one. If you're interested, you're going to find out. But what is said in Scripture completely debunks one of those viewpoints. Names are important. And, and here's the thing about Jewish genealogies. They don't include women. And so Matthew does. But, but what's interesting, and I think what's more interesting, is that Matthew included women and he excluded other women. Right? Like, like if, if, if you're going to... If you're going to create right the genealogy, and we're going to put some women in there which other Jewish scholars would not have done, you're going to put the cream of the crop in there. You're going to put the you're going to put the ones that you want to highlight. Sarah, I mean, if Abraham's the father of every nation, Sarah, man, she's the mother. Rebecca, Leah, I mean, you just go down the list. There's there's a lot of women that 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 you would put in there. But you know what? Their names aren't mentioned. But there's five women in this list. Five. Four aren't even Jewish. I mean, this is a list of Jesus' Jewish family, and these four women made their way in somehow. They're not even Jews, Jewish. Only Mary, who descended from the kingly line of David, and, you know, like her husband, so it branches and it branches and branches, and they're like, you know, triple cousins, whatever, somewhere down the line. Joseph was Jewish. The other four women, Matthew took care to include in, genea in this genealogy because they are Gentiles. And that sends a strong message to every single one of us in this room that God has always desired for everyone to be part of his family. He, he, does, not, he does not desire anything else it doesn't matter what race, it doesn't matter what background, it doesn't matter anything. He has desired for every person to walk this earth to be part of his family. So you got names like Tamar. The daughter-in-law of Judah. I mean, her story, I'm not even going to get into all of it, but I mean, she's like this young woman who presented herself, I'll say it that way, presented herself to her father-in-law. Kind of gross. Think about it. She disguised herself as a prostitute after her husband died, leaving her without children. And so she disguised herself and said, oh, hey, here I am. Come with me. And her brother-in-law refused to produce a child with her. And, and so she's in there. Tomorrow. Like, that's one of the names we're going to put in here in the genealogy of Jesus. What about Rahab, the Canaanite harlot of Jericho? I mean, she did a noble thing. But is that really who you're going to highlight? I mean, she saved the spies. She showed faith in God. But she's a Gentile, and she's incorporated into Israel. Now, she goes on to be, become the mother of Boaz, who goes on to become the husband of Ruth. Ruth, I mean, we, we talk about Ruth. She's the most noble of the women outside of Mary mentioned. But she's a heathen. She's, she's, a, she's a Moabitess. And she's honorable. 
Because she did follow her, her mother-in-law back home and she served her mother-in-law and God certainly provided a husband for her. She goes on to become the great-grandmother of King David. And then how about this one? Like, like look, I mean, come on. Like, just, let's just sweep this one underneath the rug. We don't need to bring this one up. But Bathsheba. All she did was take a bath on a roof for the king to see. She's this adulterous wife. She, she gave in to King David while her honorable husband Uriah the Hittite is out fighting. And she goes on to become the mother of King Solomon. And these are the people that are included into the genealogy of Jesus. And in the infinite wisdom of God, He does not try to cover up the skeletons in the closet, does He? He's, he's not trying to hide the bad stuff. He, this, is, this is not some infomercial where He just puts the best and the greatest out there and, and, and come be part of this right here. Oh no! He puts it out there on page one of the story of His Son coming to earth to redeem the sins of all mankind. The family line is flawed. You may look at your life right now and think, and there's no way. And there's no way that I can or I will be accepted into God's family. In the genealogy of Jesus, before you even get to His birth, is proof that there is a place for you no matter your past. No matter, no matter the stuff you're dealing with right now. The junk that, that haunts you from years past, from weeks past. That, that, it, it, it doesn't matter. The genealogy of Jesus is proof that there's place for you. Our family tree reveals where we came from, but it does not determine who we become. And that's why we ask the question, who is Jesus to you? Now that's food for thought. If you're sitting here today and, and you're like, man, I've heard this story. I know this story over and over again. I know it. Man, I've, I've celebrated. I've acted out the nativity scene before. We, I, mean, I know the story of Jesus. That's a great question for you still to ponder. But I've got another question for you that if you already believe, if, if you're already, man, I'm sold out. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I've got another question for you, church. Does the lineage of Jesus continue on through you? Oh, that's deep. And, and I'm not just talking about some biological, yeah, I brought my kids into the world and I brought them to church and raised them up and, and fingers crossed they're going to turn out all right. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, man, you know that He's your Savior. 
He is saving you from the wrath of God. And He's the Lord of your life. And you want to know what He has always done, what God has always done from the beginning of time? He has used His people to reach people. He uses everyday people to reach everyday people. So I ask you, does the lineage of Jesus continue on through you as you are sharing your faith, as you are inviting people to be part of the family? Because we know this. Jesus wrecked Nicodemus' world in John chapter 3. We're not born into the family of God. We are reborn into the family of God. And so are you extending Jesus' family tree? Isaiah 9-7. Of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Will we be part of the forever? The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thank you, God, so much for your word. Thank you. Man, there's a lot of names in there, God, that I can relate to. There's a lot of people that that are awfully flawed in that list. And when I think about my life, I can relate to most of them. So God, this morning, I thank You for Your grace. I thank You for loving us when we don't deserve it. God, I thank You that I can come before You time and time again and I can ask for forgiveness. Father, I pray that You use me in my life. That You use this church this group of people in this room right now, to extend the family tree of Jesus. May we become passionate about that. We love you, God. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen.